Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to the Hoosier Huddle Podcast. I'm your host, Sammy Jacobs. Along with us is TJ Inman. And tonight we are reviewing Indiana's trip to Penn State, a 34-27 loss, and previewing their next game at home against the Michigan Wolverines who come into Bloomington ranked 12th in the country and coming off of a big rivalry win, a 44-10 victory over the Michigan State Spartans. But before we get started, here's a word from our friends over at Manscaped. Uh, support from arm, uh, for Armchair and Hoosier Huddles podcast comes from Manscaped, who is number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers uh, precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electronic trimmer. Their lawnmower 2.0 has the proprietary skin-safe technology, so this trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts. Uh, manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past, and don't use the same trimmer on your face as you use on your balls. That's just nasty. Manscaped also has the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why are you not putting deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. That's armchair, A-R-M-C-H-A-I-R at manscaped.com. Always use the right tools for the job. You will thank yourself. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. Thanks. All right. We're still awaiting TJ uh, on coming in, but we're going to start recapping the trip to Penn State. Indiana came in 7-2, and two, fall to 7-3 and three after a hard-fought uh, loss, 34-27. Uh, it was a back-and-forth game for, for the first quarter, a lot of points in the first quarter. It was 17-14 after that uh, first stanza. After that, the offenses kind of slowed down. Third quarter, Penn State touchdown was set up by a critical error uh, by Indiana, and uh, it's just something that that can't happen. Uh, Other than that, fourth quarter, Penn State had a 18-play, 75-yard drive for what turned out to be the game-sealing touchdown. Uh, It chewed up nine minutes and one second of the clock. Uh, and, and that was all she wrote. IU went down, did get down um, uh, inside the Penn State five, uh, but settled for a field goal uh, to make it 34-27, attempted a, an onside kick. They didn't get it. It, um, you know, it, it wasn't meant to be. So, you know, Indiana played well. They didn't play well enough. And uh, it, we we said it going into the game. Indiana needed to play their A game. I thought they played, you know, a B game, a B-plus game. They played really well at times, but critical errors uh, did catch up to them. We'll start with the muffed punt uh, by by Wap Dillier. Replay, you can say what you want about replay. Uh, replay is, uh, you know, is something – 
I mean, it was something. We'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, but let's get TJ Inman here. TJ, how are you doing on, on this kind of a dreary Monday in Indianapolis? Uh, coming off a loss, it's an appropriate weather day. Uh, how are you feeling? Going fine, yeah. Uh, sorry about that. I uh, had some phone issues, uh, perception issues, but I think I've got it straightened out. So um, definitely happy to be joining in. Uh, it's a big game this week against Michigan. I know we're going to talk about that in a little bit, and uh, certainly I'm fired up. To, I, I don't typically do this, but I thought the officiating was uh, particularly egregious, and uh, I know that complaining about it now doesn't change anything, but uh, it does feel good to whine when uh, when you feel like it's justified. In this case, I do. I, I thought it was completely ridiculous that Penn State goes an entire game with zero penalty yards, they had they were whistled for one foul. It was an obvious offsides call that Indiana uh, got a big pass play on and declined. Um, it was a physical game between two good teams, and well, they, they were called for intentional result, grounding. I think that was the one penalty. True, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to have to have that occur, um, I, I thought the officiating was was extremely poor, um, and, and it's. Look, with that particular officiating crew, uh, it's not the first time that IU's had them in Happy Valley, um, and I thought it was – I thought it was uh, – I, I don't call it a screw job. I think Penn State uh, won the game, and that's that's fair. Uh, but I thought it was very, very poor, and um, an apology from the Big Ten would do absolutely nothing to make me feel any better. Yeah, and – you know, before you came on, I was talking about the the Wap failure punt play where on replay it looked like he didn't yep. touch it. They upheld it, said the call st- stood. Uh, I thought the officiating was awful, uh, and, and it was kind of awful on both sides uh, there and, and all game. And it wasn't like, oh, they made bad calls all the time. It was they took 10 minutes to discuss things, threw a flag, then picked it back up. It, yeah. it didn't look like they had their their head on straight. They missed a delay of game on Penn State. They they granted them a timeout. Uh, it just, you know, and probably the most egregious and the one that really, really pisses me off is the non-targeting call. They didn't even ridiculous review it on Wap Dillier. It, it it, I don't think the call cost Indiana the game, if that makes sense, but it was definitely game-changing. It took out Indiana's best receiver for the rest of the day. Uh, after he had he had two catches, I believe, for 52 yards, uh, and the game probably goes differently, but it's so hard to tell, uh, you know, that far down the road. Now, the Indiana defense did a great job getting the ball, mm-hmm. uh, forcing a punt, getting a couple sacks and things like that. But you took away the the Big Ten's leading receiver uh, from Indiana, who who was on his way to having a a big day. And not only that, he is in concussion protocol and puts the next week in jeopardy. If you go back and look at the replay and you read the rules on targeting, you don't have to lead with the crown of your helmet, even though the guy, if you look at the angle, the guy on the right side comes in, clearly hits head-to-head with the crown of his helmet. It, was it malicious? No, but it doesn't have to be malicious. We've seen targeting called no. time and time again against other teams. 
where a play like that happens. It happened to Cam Jones two weeks ago. The same type mm-hmm. of thing. The guy ducks. He goes low. Wasn't malicious. Wasn't anything that Cam Jones is thrown out of the game. The referees didn't even review it. The review on the field, they called it. They announced it. Either way, it's a gross misconduct of officiating. They said they were reviewing the fumble on the field. The call was confirmed. They did not um, buzz down to, to initiate a targeting review, which they should have done. You know, for the Big Ten, and, and TJ, I'm with you. I hate conspiracy theories. I really do. I, I think people are, some people are nuts with the tinfoil hats. But when you make it obvious, like the Big Ten has done with these teams like Indiana and Purdue and Illinois and things like that, when they play these top five schools, it's obvious. And it makes me – it's like you've got to be stupid not to think that, hey, Ohio State, Penn State next week. Big Ten uh-huh. champion – Big Ten East title is on the line. College football playoff is on the line. College game day is going to be there. There's a ton of money and eyeballs involved in that game. And the way that the Big Ten officiated that game was embarrassing. It was it, it was almost criminal. I mean, you, you, you put all these, these things under player safety. You have a guy get knocked out of the game because of, of two head-to-head hits. Now, it wasn't a dirty play, but that's the hit you're trying to get out of the game, and you don't even review it. And you know what? It's a shame. The Big Ten needs to suspend this this uh, officiating crew for at least a week. They need to give an explanation to IU on why a targeting foul was uh, not reviewed. It wasn't an, a review wasn't initiated, uh, and explain why Indiana might be without their leading receiver uh, on Senior Day against Michigan. And then maybe I, we'll see yeah. if he can come back against Purdue too. It, it's it's unacceptable. It, it just it cannot happen. It, it's yep. it's unacceptable. It's embarrassing, and you're feeding the frenzy of conspiracy theories. Now that I don't think it it, it it wasn't late in the game enough to say oh it, it cost Indiana the game. Indiana would have gotten the ball back. They would have gotten 15 yards, and honestly, you probably could have called two targeting penalties on the thing. Whether or not, but I don't think it, you could get 30 yards of penalty yardage out of it. I don't know how that would work. But Indiana would have gotten the ball back. Uh, they would have moved the ball up, I think, into near closer to midfield, around the 45. And it, it's just it's just one of these things that on the road, it, you're, it just feeds the storyline of the Big Ten, gives calls to the Blue Blood team to set up these end-of-the-year matchups that means something. It's yeah, it's unacceptable. And, you know, look, I I don't want to, um, you know, foretell events here, but guess what? The biggest game in the Big Ten every year is Michigan Ohio State. Guess who Indiana plays this week? Michigan. The week before, the Wolverines take on the Buckeyes. So. I mean, it, it kind of feels going into it like Indiana has to be two or three touchdowns better than Michigan uh, to come out on top. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, they that's have a to bit be of two or three touchdowns better than Penn Station. Yeah. If you look at the it's analytics a, put out by Bill Connolly, Indiana had a 73% chance of winning that game based on the way that they played. Yeah. 
They lost right. by a they lost on, by a touchdown. It's yeah. based on all that, these analytics. It, it, look, there, yeah, we'll we'll get into other reasons why IU lost, but you got it. Right. Indiana had to be two two touchdowns better than than Penn State. The the referees whistled Fryermuth down on a fumble where it was obvious that he fumbled. Uh, yeah, the guy was right there. There was a pass interference penalty that gave um, Penn State a first down uh, that, that was thrown by the guy standing 100 feet behind the play. Uh, it, it wasn't pass interference. They missed an obvious hold where the guy at Penn State offensive lineman had, I think it was Demarcus Elliott by the shirt collar, uh, missed the hold. That was on the 38-yard touchdown run by Sean Clifford. So, you know, right. it, and – Sure, IU probably should have picked up the fumble on the play before that, and I, I, I would say the IU gifted Penn State 21 points, um, you know, based on the mistakes that they made. But man, you can't. This was a matchup between two top 25 teams, and that's the officiating crew you rule out there. Hell, middle school football teams might have better officiating crews. It's just embarrassing. But enough with the officials. Um, I don't expect them to, to apologize. As of today, they hadn't given an explanation to Tom Allen. So, you know what? An explanation is just going to be you're blowing smoke up people's butts. Unless there's a suspension yep. of the crew or some actual consequence of this crew, don't even bother. Don't even bother say, oh, we missed it. Well, big, great. Congratulations. He admitted that. What's the consequence? Because if Tom Allen came out after the game, and went all Bill Mallory on him and chewed out the referees. He's suspended for a game uh, and, and has a fine. So, you know, it, it, leverage has got to change there as well. But, TJ, we said last week Indiana needed to play their A game. I didn't think they played their A game. It was probably a no. B, B-plus game. Uh, just too many mistakes. Uh, you know, Wapfillier, say what you want about the replay, if it hit him or if it didn't hit him. He needs to get away from that ball. Uh, and not even make it a discussion. Uh, Indiana went three and out on that first drive. They got the ball back. They would have had great field position, and who knows what goes from there. Uh, yeah, and I, I, I do know, want to make it, a quick. It, I want to make a quick point about Wapfillier on punt return. That is not the first poor judgment we've seen on the punt return unit from Wapfillier. Uh, he has had an amazing year. He is an incredibly valuable receiver. In my opinion, it is time to remove him from returning punts. You have plenty of really good athletes. Reese Taylor, for one, he's the guy that stepped in there when Wap was uh, was injured. You know, Reese Taylor, David Ellis, there are a lot of really good athletes that I feel like could do an adequate job returning punts. Uh, I, I think Wap Fillier is too valuable to risk in that spot, and I think he's shown poor judgment on, on more than one punt returns this year. Uh, I would say it's time to, to consider alternative options at that spot moving forward. Yeah, and he really hasn't given you anything on punt return either. He, I think he no, had one no, against Ball State, it's not worth it. uh, and that's it. it. It's time to probably put Reese Taylor back there, see what Reese could do. You know, he, he's been good in his spot play um, and, and things like that. But you're right, Wapfillier, he. he as well as he's played at receiver, he's probably lost that that uh, trust to, to be at receiver. Uh, it's time to see what somebody else can do. If you want to put David Ellis back there as well, but having you don't really want the same guy returning punts and kickoffs. 
uh, especially if, if WAP is out for an extended period of time. You don't want to put his replacement uh, in jeopardy right. as well. Right. Uh, the the other mistake IU made um, that fake punt. Uh, I I don't mind if IU wanted to go for it. It was I think fourth and one at IU's forty four uh, their own forty four yeah. yard line. About ten fifty eight left on the clock. They had to burn a timeout, which which was the first mistake. And then, first of all, if you chose to punt it, just punt it. You could pin him back. I didn't think Hayden Whitehead had a great day, but you you can no. pin him back, play field position, and things like that. If you wanted to go for it, just let Peyton Ramsey and the offense go for it. They they had been really good all day on that uh, on that short goal line, short yardage runs. Um, just bang it in there uh, and get it done if you wanted to be aggressive. Now, I get that the play was a miscommunication. It wasn't supposed to happen, uh, but it did. Two plays later, Journey Brown goes into the end zone. It's a 10-point lead, and that's basically that was basically the game. Uh, you know, Indiana came back. Um, Donovan Hale drops a touchdown pass uh, in the end zone. That took four points off the board for IU as well. Uh, they come back. They make it a, a 27-24 game. And then that, the killer drive was an 18-play, 75-yard drive that took up most of the fourth quarter, uh, nine minutes and one second. Uh, Indiana had chances to get off the field. They had a fourth and one. They had a third and nine where they took another timeout, which I don't mind taking that timeout there. That You know it's an important play. Third and nine, you could get the ball back if you make a stop. They lost contained, um, and Sean Clifford ran for first down. The fourth and one was a tough spot. You're two big defensive linemen in uh, DeMarcus Elliott and CO go out. You have C.J. Person, who really hasn't played all that much uh, in there in an emergency spot. It's just a tough spot. And then Penn State, just they just bloodletted the clock down. Um, and scored the touchdown to go up 10. I thought it was a good move kicking the field goal. Yeah. I would have liked to see them kick it. Um, I'd like to see them kick it earlier and, and give that offense a little bit more time. I get going for the touchdown. Allen's explanation was fine. You know, it's easier to kick the field goal from further out. Uh, you don't have that shot at the end zone. Uh, so, you know, overall, I thought it was a solid performance from IU. I thought the defense, outside of a couple plays, played well. And and the offense, this offense is really, really good. And you saw Ty Freifogel come into his own, uh, you know, with the career-high yards. He, he's, he's, he might be the best, re, you know, outside of WAP, he's the best receiver on this team uh, and is becoming dependable. So seeing his future is going to be great. Peyton Ramsey again. Uh, with the career high 371 yards passing, he did make two iffy throws. The first throw should have been picked off by Micah Parsons, could have been a pick six, and then mm-hmm. uh, a throw in the second quarter uh, really should have been picked off and taken to the house. So Indiana avoided some of those really really critical mistakes that would have turned a close game into a blowout, uh, but they just they made too many to, to come away with the win, especially on a day when they didn't get a, a bounce. You had a, a fumble on a snap that looked, basically looked like Sean Clifford dribbled the ball to himself. 
Uh, you had the referees not throwing flags. I mean, there were six total penalties in, in the game. Uh, so, you know what? It is it is what it is. Uh, it, it's a tough loss. I don't think anybody was celebrating the loss. Allen said that the he told there's no talk. The, it's quiet locker room. Uh, that's what he told the guys. It's quiet locker room uh, after the game. Uh, people were, you know, they, they were disappointed. Uh, but as fans, because I got backlash on Twitter from people, but as fans, nobody's celebrating a loss. You could be no. happy or proud of the progress this program has made over the year, but nobody was out there, oh, yeah, we covered against Penn State. Yeah, let's go. I, I mean, unless you, you bet a gazillion dollars, then sure, go ahead and celebrate. Uh, but, you know, nobody was, was going it, but they're not hanging their head either, uh, which is good. Now, Indiana plays Michigan. Michigan's coming in. We'll see what they do. TJ, if you hadn't been on social media today, uh, Shea Patterson said after the the uh, Michigan State game, gave IU some bulletin board material. Uh, he said in an interview, we got to enjoy this win, meaning the win over Michigan State. But in the back of our minds, we know we got one more big one to go, alluding to uh, Ohio State. We got to go on the road to Indiana, but our eyes are still set on the last one. Talk about disrespecting your opponent, overlooking your opponent. This is got to get Jim Harbaugh's blood boiling. You have your starting quarterback on on a, a local news station uh, saying that they're set on they're they're looking towards Ohio State. They want that big, you know, that big skin, and you know Indiana is going to. If this is not on the, the bulletin board already, it'll be up there first thing tomorrow morning uh, because maybe Michigan doesn't doesn't remember. The last two trips to Bloomington, they were lucky to get out with a win uh, in, in two overtime games. If Indiana didn't have a historically bad defense uh, in 2015 and if uh, Peyton Ramsey didn't make the wrong read in overtime and, and a referee makes a correct call on an onside kick, Indiana's, you know, won the last two at home. Uh, I don't think maybe Michigan doesn't remember Jordan Howard, Dan Feeney, and Jason Spriggs running the ball down their throats in the fourth quarter. So talk all you want, Shea Patterson. It's You can look forward to Ohio State. Just know that you just gave Indiana and their fan base the bulletin board material that they needed um, to maybe – you know, turn that blazing fire into into something more. Maybe maybe make that fire go into the full blast uh, furnace mode. So we'll see. It should be a good game. Michigan is coming in at uh, at number twelve in the polls. Uh, they're sitting at at eight and two, five and two in the Big Ten. They're probably done in terms of a uh, a Big East title. Uh, or yeah, Big Ten East title losing or with two losses. I don't think Ohio State. That means Ohio State would have to lose this week and against Michigan the next week. Uh, even then, Penn State probably uh, probably takes uh, takes the cake there. They need Penn State to lose out as well. Uh, but what about this Michigan team? Did they started the year off slow? Uh, overtime win against Army a blowout loss against Wisconsin. Um, 
Just what about this Michigan team has changed since the beginning of the year, TJ? Quite a bit. I mean, I, I'm very comfortable saying that if Indiana plays Michigan in September uh, and Michigan State now, like this Saturday, uh, Indiana wins both of those games. I think that IU was a significantly better team than Michigan was uh, in September. And credit has to go to the players uh, and, and to Jim Harbaugh because I don't, IU has gotten better as well. Uh, but Michigan, I think, has gotten exponentially better. Uh, one thing that, you know, needs to be taken into consideration, new offensive system for them, play caller Josh Gaddis. Um, look, sometimes it, it takes time. Uh, it takes a lot of time. Indiana, I think, has not gotten enough credit for uh, the way that this offense has performed in the first year under Kalen DeBoer. Um, you know, he has been – in my opinion, he's been um, just about as good a hire as anyone in the country as far as coordinators go. Uh, Josh Gaddis, you know, it took them a while, Michigan, uh, a while to kind of pick up what it was that they were trying to do. Uh, and I, I think it took maybe the players or uh, Jim Harbaugh a while to really trust that this is what they wanted to do. Um They've opened things up some. Uh, you do see that this week in particular against Michigan State, even when they struggled to run the ball, uh, they were still able to put up 44 points. Um, part of that was an inept Michigan State offense that constantly gave Michigan good field position, but uh, still credit has to go to uh, to that offense. I think Shea Patterson has gotten a lot more comfortable in that system, and I think that they have found some other weapons that they did not have uh, originally, they've got a, a pair of running backs, both of them young players that, um, you know, have, have stepped up. Zach Charbonnet was the guy coming into the season. Uh, he's kind of seeded way to Haskins. Uh, Hassan Haskins um, is kind of been their RB1, but they, they will split the carry some. You'll also see a couple other guys that will get spot duty as well uh, situationally. Um, and then I think that uh, the emergence of Ronnie Bell has been a big deal as well at wide receiver. Uh, recently, he has been the, the number one target for Shea Patterson. Uh, really, him and yep. Nico and Collins. An odd, who... Go ahead. An odd statistic with Ronnie Bell, he's their leading receiver, 37 catches, 621 yards, but no touchdowns. Um, right. You know, right. he had the big drop against Penn State. And he's been close. He's been tackled inside the 10, inside the 5. He's had passes in the end zone uh, go off his hands. So just kind of an odd statistic to, to watch um, for on Saturday. True. Yeah, Nico Collins is definitely their bigger red zone threat, if you will. They've got a couple of pretty good tight ends. Um, and then, of course, the two receivers that are most well-known. But honestly, they've been uh, disappointing, uh, I would say. Donovan Peoples-Jones and Tariq Black. Both of them have struggled with injuries, struggled with consistency. Uh, but flat out, they just haven't performed as well as Nico Collins uh, or Ronnie Bell. So I, I do think that that um, perception needs to catch up with reality on those guys. It's going to be a difficult uh, game for the Indiana secondary. They're going to have to be up to it. It's going to take more than just Taiwan Mullen uh, to, to stop these guys or slow them down. Um, defensively, you know, it's a Don Brown defense. They're going to bring pressure. You know that's coming in. They've got a lot of versatile pass rushers uh, that, that can cause problems. Quiddy Pay is uh, really tremendous. 
and then they've got, you know, Cleek Hudson playing the Viper position. He's a, a versatile defender that's going to be all over the place, leads them in tackles. I do think Indiana can have some success on offense. I, I really do. I think that uh, you can scheme to kind of make Michigan's aggressiveness work against them. Uh, we've seen it before with Indiana's offense. I think we could see it again Saturday um, if the weather cooperates. I know that right now it's looking like could have some potentially some snow on the ground. Uh, Michigan has struggled to run the ball consistently. Uh, which I think has been a surprise to their fans. Their offensive line has uh, struggled to block consistently in the run game, uh, but they've been really good on pass protection. So uh, I don't know who the bad weather would favor. Uh, I think it would probably favor the Wolverines, though. Uh, Just based on what we've seen from Indiana so far, I really do think the Hoosiers uh, would like to have this be a game where they can let – Peyton Ramsey, which is surprising to say, coming into the year, I wouldn't have thought that'd be the case, but, you know, he's proven it time and time again how much he has improved. Uh, I do think that Indiana would would not mind seeing uh, Ramsey get a chance to open this game up and uh, really go after this Michigan secondary. Uh, It really has to be a big day for the Indiana offensive line, uh, and the defense has to do a better job, specifically on third down, uh, Sean Clifford and Shea Patterson are similar in one way. They can beat you with their legs if you let them. Uh, they are not yep. going to look to scramble first very often, but if the play breaks down or if they see a lane, they will take it, and they can get some nice yardage if you do not spy properly, if you lose containment. Uh, we saw Sean Clifford hurt the Hoosiers multiple times with this, And Shea Patterson can do the same thing. It really killed Indiana's third down defense, which so far this year had been pretty good, but on Saturday was not good enough. Uh, And it particularly bit them in the fourth quarter as they were unable to get the ball back with enough time uh, because of multiple third down failures. And that's going to be a huge key again this Saturday is keeping containment, getting to Shea Patterson, bringing him down, and not letting him beat you with his legs because, you know, his arm's good enough. If you let him beat him with his leg, beat you with his legs, uh, you're looking at a, an offense that's going to be very hard to stop. Yeah, definitely. And the, the weather forecast, um, at least for Bloomington right now, is not too terribly bad. There's a 25% chance uh, of participa- or precipitation. Uh, there's probably a 25% chance of fan participation, too. Um, but precipitation um, during the during the day uh, it gets up to about 50% in the evening. Uh, it, it's going to be cold. The high is 53 or 43. Lows down in the 20s. Uh, it's it's November football uh, and it's Indiana. Yeah, I get it's the southernmost uh, Big Ten school, but you know you, you got to dress warmly for these things. Uh, hopefully, there's no snow. Uh, just just for the fans' sake, um, I do think I remember that snow game up in Michigan a couple years ago. Uh, that yeah. was that was really cool. Uh, but it's it's um, it's senior day. These seniors have taken this program to to three bowls in the last five years. It's something that they need to be rewarded for. And uh, you know, you you hope. The, the students stick around as, as fall break uh, is coming up and or 
Thanksgiving break is coming up, and and you hope that these these fans, uh, local fans uh, who are non-students, you know, come out and, and give thanks uh, to senior class that that has gone to, to three bowls in five years. And a lot of these guys are, are very important to the program. You have Donovan Hale, Nick Westbrook. Um, you know, Coy Cronk has been listed by IU as as uh, as being honored on Saturday. Uh, well, he, it's not clear yet whether or not he's coming back. He said he he would um, he do that. I think before the bowl game at the end of the regular season. Uh, I think before the bowl game. Uh, but you know, th- these guys have given their blood, sweat, and tears to this program. Have tried their best to to improve the product on the field, and they have. Uh, you know, they're sitting at seven and three now. You just fell out of the top 25. You haven't beaten Michigan since 1987. And this might be the best chance that IU's had uh, in, in the last 20 years to beat this team uh, at home and to, to stay home because it might be cold or it might rain or it might snow. It's just a shame. Uh, IU has some terrific ticket deals going on as well. Uh, they're trying to – they're selling general admission tickets and a food voucher for adults for $35. I mean, they're they're doing everything that they possibly can to fill this stadium. And meanwhile, you know, fans are making every excuse to uh, stay at home. It's cold. It, well, it's a 3.30 game, which people think is perfect. Uh, the weather looks like it might hold. It looks like it might not. We'll see later in the week. And you have a team who's pretty darn good, who went into Happy Valley had every bounce go against them and lost by seven. They're sitting at seven and three. They have a chance to clinch a winning record in the Big Ten for the first time in forever. They have a chance to beat Michigan for the first time in forever. And Michigan just gave you more fuel for that fire to go there and, and root on the Hoosiers because they just disrespected your team uh, and your school. Uh, so there's no excuse not to go. And you know, I, I get that students go home for Thanksgiving break, but, you know, stay, go home on Sunday. Uh, so we'll see. Um, TJ, what is your matchup to watch this game? My matchup to watch is going to be uh, just, I, you know, I've, I've grown to trust this Indiana offense. I think I use offense is going to score. Uh, I don't really have any concerns about that. Now, will it be 30? Will it be 40? I doubt it's going to reach 40, uh, but could it reach 30? Yeah. Uh, so I, I have grown to trust the Indian offense and, and not worry too much about how they're going to perform. Um, I could be wrong about that, but that's kind of where I'm at with it. Uh, so the, the unit I'm more worried about is going to be IU's defensive line and linebackers against Shea Patterson. Uh, in this Michigan offense. I think that Michigan's offense um, quite a bit better than it was earlier in the season. They've really come a long way. I, I still think Ohio State's going to torch them, um, but I, I do think that Michigan uh, is very capable of putting up 40 points on Indiana uh, if the Hoosiers are, are not ready for some of these things and have not made some adjustments because uh, Shea Patterson and Sean Clifford are, are similar in a lot of ways. So I do think that uh, watching Indiana's defense on third down, especially uh, against the running threat of Shea Patterson, 
uh, and trying to get off the field on third down much better than they did against Penn State is going to be the huge key for this one. Yeah, on the field, that's a huge key. I think off the field, you've got to see how Indiana is going to handle the emotions. They're going to be fired up, especially with what Shea Patterson said. They're going to be fired up being disrespected by the officials of Penn State. You kind of want to see if Wap Billier is going to play. And it's oh, yeah. even though I use seven and three, and they had been ranked, it's people have been sleeping on this team all year. Uh, and so you you want to see how they're going to come out. Are they going to make that critical mistake? Uh, I don't think the moment was too big at Penn State. I just think it was a miscommunication. It happens. Yeah. It's not excusable, but it happens. I don't think it was like, oh, my God, we don't know what we're doing. It was a, a, a true freshman. Clearly didn't get the signal from uh, whoever waved off the the sign. Snapped the ball to the wrong person. Um, and things like that. I don't think the moment really just swallowed Indiana. Uh, they came back. They did come back and, and, and make it a three-point game after that. Uh, but, you know, you're playing at home. Your fans expect you to win this game. I, I think Michigan opened up as an eight-point favorite, so the, the game's pretty, you know, evenly matched. It's can you can you get through the first – the first series for each team uh, and and get out of there with your head above water. Uh, we've seen time and time again, uh, sometimes Indiana, you, you fall behind, you fell behind at Nebraska 14-3, um, and, you know, you got off to that slow start against Penn State uh, with, with the fumble, but immediately responded. Indiana needs to play a clean game on Saturday. I don't think they can make it many of those mistakes that they made uh, against Penn State and TJ with Ohio State looming and, you know, feeding into that conspiracy. Indiana's probably going to have to be 10 points, 7 to 10 points better than Michigan uh, because, yep. you know, if you, they want that game to mean everything in Ann Arbor on, on uh Thanksgiving Saturday and they don't really you, you don't think you know having a Michigan team come off a loss to Indiana takes out a lot of buzz uh, from that game so that's my matchup to watch off the field on the field I, I need to see Indiana's pass rush get to to Shea Patterson uh, they when they did get to uh, Sean Clifford they forced Clifford into bad throws uh, he, he had an intentional grounding. There were throws in the dirt, throws high. He just, when he was pressured, didn't look comfortable. Now, he wasn't pressured a lot, which was the problem. And sometimes when they missed on all of those all-out blitzes, uh, Clifford burned him with, with his legs. That's, as you said, what um, Shea Patterson could do. So I want to see what the Indiana pass rush uh, can do can they get home consistently? I think Michael McFadden has been the best pass rushing linebacker. He had three, two or three pressures on uh, on Clifford on on Saturday uh, against Penn State. So we'll see. Uh, what is a we kind of covered keys to victory, TJ? But what would, what would be your main key overall that Indiana has to do to, to get out of uh, Bloomington with a win? 
my main key is going to be, I mean, number one is going to be play a clean game, but uh, outside of the obvious, I'm going to say uh, win the third down battle. IU has to convert on third down to stay on the field. They have to stop Michigan on third down to get them off the field. I think it's going to be a huge factor on Saturday, as it is in most games. Uh, but I, I do think it's going to be particularly important uh, against this Michigan Wolverine team uh, that, that has a lot of kind of exotic packages on third down uh, just in terms of how much how they bring pressure, where they bring it from, uh, and it's going to be very critical for Indiana's offensive line and running backs and tight ends that stay in there to block to pick those up. Uh, and then on the other side, you know, finding ways, coming up with ways, to get their offense off the field on third down. Um, and then, you know, while I'm at it, I'll go with the prediction. Look, I know Indiana's only beat Michigan once since 1987, uh, and, and I understand that that was in 1987 when I was, you know, barely born. That's the year I was born in September. So basically it has been the entirety of my lifetime that Indiana has lost to these guys. Uh, I'm sick of Jim Harbaugh. I'm sick of uh, the love for Michigan football. Um I'm sick of losing to Michigan, and I know that the Indiana players and coaches feel the exact same way, uh, sick and tired of disrespect that is shown to this program. Um, you know, I, I obviously if Watt Billiard's unable to go, it's a huge concern, uh, but look, this team has impressed me so much with the uh, the way that they have changed how we should feel about Indiana football going into a game like this. Uh, with the way that they've fought and performed this season uh, and, and the success that they've had. It's not just, you know, oh, we see it coming, we see improvement. No, they have tangibly improved the outcomes. Uh, it has happened in the wins and losses that we've seen. I'm going to go with Indiana pulling off the upset, beating Michigan. I think Ooh. it's going to be a very tight game. Indiana wins it. I'm going to go with uh, Hoosiers taking it 31-28. Indiana wins 31-28. All right, there you have it. Uh, Logan Justice for the win. Uh, maybe that puts him right. into the finalists for the Lou Groza Award. He's been clutch all season. Uh, TJ, my key to the game is why not? Uh, why not us? Um, my key to the game, TJ, is Indiana's got to win the, the the hidden yardage battle. They They lost it against Penn State. Uh, Penn State had a 14-yard advantage in average starting field position, uh, which turned out to be huge. Uh, Hayden, they they won the average net punting um, by nine yards. Those are the little things that make up. Yeah, Indiana out outgained Penn State by almost 100 yards, but those those are the those are the yards that kind of close that gap on on total yardage is you know average starting field position. And um, and that punting, so I think doing those little things is key to the game. Can they pin Michigan's offense deep? Can they, as you said, get off the field on third down quickly? That will set them up with with better field position. Can they get takeaways when Michigan has the ball in their own territory and set up this offense with good field position? Now. Indiana's offense could go 91 yards. They could go the length of the field against very good defenses. They proved that against Penn State. But it is so much easier to control the game if you give your offense uh, some better starting field position. I think that that goes back to, uh, you know, the return games 
the the kick and punt return games, your takeaways on defense, and just not making mistakes. You know, Indiana really hasn't had an explosive kickoff return from David Ellis since the beginning of the year. They need to stay away from that penalty on the returns. They really haven't had anything in the punt return game either outside of the one that WAP took uh, 60 yards against Michigan State that was called back. Those are the mistakes uh, that will bury this Indiana team if it comes to it. But if they win the field position battle, and if you've read Bill Connolly's books, that is the key stat to everything is field position, average starting field position. If you win that battle, you win a lot more than you lose. And it's, it's kind of obvious, you know, if you're starting with the ball at, at your own 36 yard line and your opponent's starting at their own 22 yard line, you're probably going to win. Uh, it, it's a shorter field. It gives you an advantage and, and things like that. As for a prediction, TJ, I, I think that I think it's time. And I think the Shea Patterson comments that came out today pushed me over the edge. Uh, This team, they felt disrespected at Nebraska for whatever reason, even though I didn't think those scheduling comments were that disrespectful. I think any sane person would rather play Indiana, Maryland, and Rutgers as opposed to Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State. Uh, But for the starting quarterback of the opposing team to say that we openly, that we are looking past your team to the big one the next week against Ohio State uh, should fuel your fire. You should feel disrespected. I, I think that's, that is the X factor uh, that could fuel Indiana to, a, to an upset win. I think Indiana's offense, uh, you know, Kalen DeBoer, you trust Kalen DeBoer to come up with a game plan. Uh, he has all year to put up points against elite defenses. Now, Michigan's defense, they're average, giving up an average of 16 points per game. Uh, so they're, they're not – I don't think they're as good as they were the last couple of years, uh, but they're still very, very good. Uh, Peyton Ramsey has kind of figured it out a little bit. He, his, he's definitely improved over last year, and, you know, in his decision-making, his arm strength is what it is. But I think Kalen DeBoer has done a great job of putting him in the position and kind of tailoring this offense to his strength that that Mike DeBoer uh, couldn't do. So, TJ, with that, uh, weather's not going to play a factor. Uh, fans definitely will play a factor in this one. I, I remember hearing stories from the last time Michigan came in here and lost in, in 1987 that Bo Schembechler was complaining about how loud Memorial Stadium was. Talk about your all-time whiny wino uh, excuses. Is the fifty, you know, fifty-six thousand seat stadium is too loud um, for an offense to run? So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take the same score as you, thirty-one twenty-eight Indiana. Uh, I, I, I think it's time. It, it's been time for a while. It's time to get this one. I, I, uh, it's on senior day. The seniors are put on so much work. It's you, you got the offense going. You have the tools to do it. Now's the time to, to you know, as Bill Mallory say, lock your jaw and, and get in there and, and uh, 
and win this one. Uh, look, a, a loss I, I think wouldn't mean as much as a win uh, would mean, and it's no shame in losing to to Michigan at home. But the, the time is now to to get it done. Uh, so that's that's my take on the game. I, I agree with you, TJ. Thirty-one twenty-eight, and uh, we'll get out of out of here. TJ, thanks for joining me on the podcast today. Enjoy the rest of the week, and uh, we'll talk again next Monday ahead of the bucket game. Absolutely. Thanks, everybody. Have a great week. All right. That does it for the Hoosier Huddle podcast. This evening, TJ and I both pick Indiana to upset Michigan, uh, 31-28. It's just time. You can come back to HoosierHuddle.com, read all our breakdowns of the game. We'll have our NOAA opponent out tomorrow, uh, as, far, as well as our matchups to watch, keys to victory, inside the numbers, and our game day primer. Uh, we do want to give a big shout-out to Brian Tonsoni and his family for setting up the tailgate in Lot 11. It's the final uh, tailgate of the season this year. It's Thanksgiving-themed, uh, so I'm excited to go have some turkey and some other Thanksgiving food out there on Saturday. Brian's been a great friend of the, not only of the show, but to myself uh, and all of our writers at, at Hoosier Huddle. So a big thank you to Brian and Amy, Brandon and, uh, and Brent. Uh, you guys have been awesome. So a big shout-out to them as well. You can follow us on Twitter at Hoosier underscore Huddle. That does it for tonight's episode. We'll be back next Monday. Uh, ahead of the old Oak and Bucket game as as the season starts to wind down. Uh, take care of yourselves this week. Stay warm. Get down to Bloomington and hopefully watch this Hoosier team uh, beat Michigan for the first time since 1987. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast.